the Driven Women's Guide to Love, Life, and Business. Hosted by the boss ladies Alex and Gabby. Combined, their network gathers an array of women from various industries who exemplify strength and tenacity. Their fun and positive approach to life will awaken the boss in you. You're listening to Girls Gone Boss. This episode is brought to you by the Girl Means Business Podcast. The Girl Means Business Podcast is a weekly podcast hosted by former teacher turned entrepreneur Kendra Swalls. Each week, she and her guests share business and marketing tips along with honest conversations around what it means to be a boss babe balancing a business while raising a family. Some of my very favorite episodes include episode 34, Finding Your Business BFF, episode 14, which is SEO tips and tricks, and episode 45, How I Use Instagram to Grow My Business. New episodes go live every Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so you get notified when new episodes go live. And check out the Girl Means Business Facebook group for bonus material and more in-depth conversations. Laura Scroy is a certified positive lifestyle and business coach, an author, and a speaker. Laura engages with her clients in a deep brain and heart-storming process that empowers them to pursue their own concepts of personal and professional success. Her new book, In Our 30s, is a compilation of real-life experiences that Laura wrote along with 30-plus friends as an invitation to start a conversation. Laura joins us today for a candid virtual conversation about self-discovery and growth. Morning. It's Saturday and we're recording. Hi, Alex. Hi. Virtual recording again. Virtual recording. I think we're getting the hang of this. You're going to, guys, all the listeners, you're going to hear me sound a little bit better. Thank you, Jesus, because now I'm officially using our pink mic. Blessings of, you know, having amazing equipment just because of the quarantine, I was stuck at home and Alex had all of the equipment at home. So as most of you know, she doesn't live in Miami. She lives like far. <laughs> West Palm Beach. Yeah, it's literally, it's like, I'm like, mom, you want to go on a road trip? And oh, I literally- Poor mom, you brought her with you. So we, Gabby and I actually didn't see each other because I was working. I had a conference call and um, I left the stuff, but I forgot to tell, but I forgot to tell my husband that you were yeah, coming by. <laughs> hell is this showing up on my house creeping up on me while I wash my my he was washing your car I, I was know. like oh. I didn't know that was so nice of him I was like oh that's cute I need me a husband to wash me up my car Listen, that was so, it, it so was that, sweet but it doesn't happen all the time <laughs> so I was pulled up on him and I'm like hi and I thought he knew I was gonna be there no I forgot so, he's like looking at me like weird and I'm like well I'm coming to pick up the mic and he's like the bike <laughs> I think he was so confused. It was funny. But then he realized, oh, a mic. And then he went inside. Yeah. And then he me and it was quick. Like, yeah, he's, so like, he's like, I didn't recognize her. He's like, I didn't know what she was talking about. It was no, funny. I think it was. But, but I, I also was like in a, yeah, he didn't expect me at all. No, Hello. Right, right. Did you end up going to eat with your mom around the area or no? I went to Chris's Tavern. She loves it. It's good. It's, yeah, it's so cute. We had um calamari because we didn't we didn't want to go all the way up there an hour and twenty minutes to like come back. So I was like, let's have lunch, you know. Um, but now that the cases are kind of rising, I was like, okay, let's have a quick bite and leave. But the good thing is that that place is outdoors and it's never like crowded. So yeah, it's okay, yeah. right? Right. So yeah, it was it was totally fine, and we kind of sat at a table that was kind of far from everyone. Um. 
I had my hand sanitizer. So, I mean, we have to start getting used to our new normal. So, but I don't want to be going out. I heard that there was like 9,000 new cases in one day. Yes. So it's already like doubling up. It's, it's a little bit mm-hmm. scary at this point. So I think we need to kind of hunker down again and stay in. I, I think that this whole, I, I don't know if um, we'll go back to having like a mandate, mandatory stay at home, even though I kind of wish we did, um, just so we can get out of it as soon as possible, right? Like nip it in the butt. But I think that regardless, this is going to be like a very long process. Um, yeah. Everyone just to have, everyone has to have a lot of patience, you know, and yeah. look at the bigger picture. So exactly because now look at New York. New York has finally stabilized. They were like the epicenter, and now it's, it turns out that we're the epicenter now, Florida. Right. So I think we just need to be responsible. We need to just take precaution and you know just be cognizant of like it's not just about you and what's comfortable to you. It's about like everyone else. So hopefully you know it starts getting better. But I think for now we're gonna hunker down. So agreed. But. Now that we're hunkered down, now that we're like, okay, we're home, we want to, you know, talk to amazing women, continue to do what we do. And today we have an incredible one that Alex and I have the joy of not only knowing because of what she's doing now, but knowing her for years, um, having been worked with her during our MTV days. And we always love to catch up with our MTV family to see what they're doing. And everyone's always doing big things, right, Alex? Everyone's always doing better than when we last saw them. And it's been like a decade, I think, that since we last even saw her. Exactly. So welcome to the show. Well, now she's an author. She's also, you know, obviously worked in production for many years. And she's here to talk to us about her new book, In Our 30s. Welcome. Thank thank you so much, girls. I love that it's totally allowed to call you girls in this because his girls going bust. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really fun to be with you today. I've been following and your journey with this podcast. And now it's, it's really like a manifestation to be on it now. I know. Right. Thank you for the support. Yes, I'm, I'm super happy for you, too, because as you said, every time I check you out and on, online on social media or something, you're doing better than before. So it makes me really happy and proud for you, too. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet of you. Well, well tell us about you. I mean, OK, so we know you. We know your background. But I think it's fair to say our listeners have no clue. So go ahead. Let them know. Come Shine through, girl, because you have such a great resume. Go ahead, let them know, you know, where you started in your career and all the wonderful things that you did in production while, you know, you worked with so many different networks and, and shows and, but then you, you know, go into that for a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was a dream come true. My production career was something that I wanted to do since I was a little girl. I remember my mom trying to put me to bed and I was like, no, I have to watch that show. And I would be like under the covers, like looking, oh, it's 11 now. I can't watch that MTV show. (laughs) And then it was really fun. I, I didn't even have cable in the Dominican Republic. And I would go to my neighbor's house to check out MTV. And, and it was something that I always wanted to do. And I was so, lucky and blessed to get my dream job was my first job out of college basically I got out of college I, st- I went 
to to school for marketing. And then when I was done, six months looking for a job, hey, didn't happen overnight. I have to say that was 2002 in the DR, six months desperately crying every afternoon ever after every single interview it would be like a crying hour in my house but then one day i got a call from this production company and i didn't even know what was their main main uh business and when i got there i see that they have all these posters of these shows that i love like concerts and festivals and music and guitars i'm like what is this and when i check i'm like oh my god they produce the shows that i watched since i was a little girl um and that's how i got my first job as a production coordinator that was 17 years ago <laughs> um it was a beautiful journey almost two years in the dr and then i had I had to leave my country because it's a it's a very small island, it's a very small market. And I I was really lucky to touch the glass ceiling really fast. Like in two years, I had done everything they do in that. Um, Festival Presidente, you might have heard of it, uh, the Pan American Games, every single concert, you name it. So I was done. And I had met a couple people from Miami and I took advantage of my documents. My, my dad had done American documents for us. A long time ago so I'm like okay let's go let's move so I started again from zero another lesson I had to humble I had to be ready for everything move to Kendall of course if you move to Miami you move to Kendall first that is so <laughs> true before you go anywhere else you, you live in Kendall so I lived in Kendall didn't have a car or a tv for nine months and I met every show introduced me to one person so that first show with that was with that guy Tony Parodi love him he's my professional father here in the states and in his first show was with me was the Premios Juventud the first Premios Juventud in 2004 that was the first first edition it was in the James Knight Center and there I met wonderful people one of them being Michelle Massanet, um, amazing producer and director. She she was my inspiration, the biggest inspiration when I moved to the States. I was like, I want to be Michelle when, when I grow up. It was like Oprah. It was like <laughs> this girl in her 20s back then. Uh, but she owned her production company. She worked really hard. She had traveled a lot. And I'm like, okay. And she was the first person who hired me at MTV. So I basically know all of you because of her. Oh, and. Yeah, and my first MTV show was 2004. So again, it's been 16 years of this. Um, time passed and I I grew in the business. I enjoyed it. I traveled. I met wonderful people. But at, at, the, at the bottom of my heart, I felt the need to do something different. I, I took a break. I went abroad for four years. I followed my husband in another business adventure in Nicaragua which is Gabby's country. I it love is, that. Yeah. yeah. And I went to Nicaragua for four years. And while I was there, I felt like, okay, I wouldn't want to go back to the exact same thing. I love production management. I love TV and events and music, but I didn't want to go back to do exactly what kind of burned me out. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this coaching certification. And that's what I do now. I'm a certified coach and speaker. So no. what, but what made you do the jump from production to that? Because it, it's not, it, I mean, it, they don't really correlate that much if you really think about it. So what made, made you jump to that? 
Well, they don't correlate at all. You're right. It was something that I also wanted to do since I was really young, but who's going to pay attention to a 19-year-old coach, you know? <laughs> so, that is true. Yes, very true. Yeah. I always felt like I, w- I was always reading. My dad is a psychologist, so I was always reading books. I was always into knowing the why of, of things, the, the why of people, the, knowing the who behind actions. And I always had that curiosity. And when I learned who was a coach, I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting because the psychology or psychiatry, I'm, I wasn't into the science of it, but I love how just asking questions, you can get someone thinking and bent and and listening to a person makes so much for them without doing much, just listening, having the space, the safe space for people to express themselves. So I had that in my heart for years and years. So I I had to wait until I was a little bit mature, until that production dream was already fulfilled. And that was my next step. I would say every stage in your life, might have a different calling for a career. I was going to actually say that, that that it gives, it's a good, um, it's a good example that you don't have to just stick to one thing. Like a lot of people think that you have to choose a career and that's it. You're stuck there for the rest of your life. And that's necessarily true. Like you can definitely venture into other areas and fulfill all of your bucket dreams that you may have. And you're, you're, you're basically like the poster child of that. If you think about it, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm skipping one career that I haven't mentioned to you. Which Let is me what? Tell you. <laughs> I did PR in the middle between production and and coaching. I did a little bit of public relations. Um, I always wanted to do public relations too because marketing that was the branch of marketing that I really liked. So I went for it for a little bit. Didn't enjoy it much. I still do it online PR. I still do online uh, writing and PR like press releases distribution. But I, I, coaching was the biggest call. So I went for it. Well, you're very talented if you can do all those three things. For Thank sure. You. For sure. I'm, sure. I'm sure you can try in, and you would. It's, these, these days, they say the average professional would have eight careers in their lifetime. Really? Eight? Yes. Wow. Eight. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think Technology. of myself. Okay, yeah. I guess I've had like three already. But, there, I always, but I always come back to the same one. I always come back somehow. Videos like deep in my blood somehow. So tell me about your 30th birthday and how that like that one small idea evolved into today's book, which is in our 30s. Yes, it was. Well, since I was really young, I always surrounded myself with older people because my sister is five years older than me. I always had older friends and one of them was very age conscious, I remember. And and one day at MTV, she's Barbara, we were there and she's like, oh my God, I forgot to send flowers to my friend Debbie in New York. And I'm like, okay. She's like, it was her birthday. It was her 30th birthday. You know what a big deal that is? And I'm like, I guess I don't. I was like 22, 23. So I didn't know why she was so like, and I'm like, okay, send them late, but send them. And I kept hearing those stories, you know, like reading magazines and people like, oh, there's Teddy's and Teddy. And I'm Dominican. So Teddy is like, you better have everything figured out. You need that husband and that kid by Teddy for sure. Shakira, she mentions in a song like, las mujeres se casan antes de 30. And I'm like, I didn't, I couldn't relate to any of that, but I kept going. So some friends started, to, started turning 30 
And I just hang out with them. I'm like, okay, we're going to Vegas for your 30th. Let's go. We're driving a compatible across the desert. Let's go. <laughs> like, I would just join them. But I, I couldn't understand what was the, the big deal about it. So when it was finally my turn, I, I could see the, the pressure got closer. It didn't necessarily affect me, but I could see my friends freaking out. I could see the checklist. I could see that. And I was so like immune to it. And I'm like, what's going on? Why can't I relate to any of this? And, and I realized, you know what, girls, let's, let's make the most of it. I, I know it's a big deal for you. I know you're thinking about it. I know you're putting a lot of pressure on you. Let's, let's have fun with it. And my whole idea was to start like a, you know, an email chain or a Facebook post or something. Uh, but guess what? I was in a really different situation when I was about to turn 30. I was doing the opposite that everybody wanted to do. I was downsizing. Like we were leaving Miami. We were leaving our loft apartment in Brickell to go to Nicaragua, which is the second poorest country in the continent. Uh, I was quitting my job at MTB just to follow my husband in his cigar adventure dreams. I was nowhere close to having a baby. I was like, that wasn't even a conversation at home. Um, savings, I don't remember having any. Uh, everything was like far away from what I expected, but I was fine. I felt fine. So I'm always that person who wants to support my friends in their, in their breakdowns. So I'm like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll come up with something. We'll do something. And I just asked them like, okay, how are you feeling? Let's write about it. Let's do something. And everybody, word of mouth, online, Facebook, everybody started very spontaneously telling me and venting and writing things. I'm like, oh, this is getting juicy. This is getting interesting. And I'm like, okay, we'll do a blog and we'll post it there. And when I saw, I had amazing, beautiful essays, beautiful content. And I'm like, this needs to be published. This can be only online, but guess what? Everybody wrote their piece except for me. <laughs> so, so I had to see it and write. And I'm like, after these girls did, did amazing job writing these essays, I need to represent, I need to do my part. And I wanted to offer a solution to the problems that they were facing. I wanted to, to offer ideas and insights to the dilemmas, to everything. And I'm like, okay, this is going to get deep. I'm going to ask experts. I'm going to read. I'm going to set up Google alerts. I'm going to do everything I can just to provide, to feed them what they're craving. And that's when it got complicated. <laughs> um, I'm not a writer. I'm not a natural writer at all. I English is my second language and I've been trying to learn to write and to pronounce it right forever. And it took me a long time. Of course, I was also procrastinating and I was also having fun and I was also leaving. Like at, at some point I got mad with the project. I'm like, you know what? This is still in my thirties. This is not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. And, and, and then I enjoy it and then I report, but now it's just, I'm sitting like a slave in this. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to break the routine. I'm going to stop. I'm going to have fun. And then when everything is clear, I'll be back to it. But I never stopped writing. I always, a quote here and there, a sentence here and there. And finally, now, after many curves, the book is here. It is here. So um, let's go back to, let's go back to 
what you mentioned before. So you reached out to all of your friends and you said, help me, help me write these pieces. I want to, I want to hear your feedback, what you experienced in your thirties. And then you started just doing a collection. And then after a while, how long did that take before you said, now I have to contribute as well? Oh, they were so fast. The girls were really fast. The girls, I, I remember doing the first call for essays in March 2012, and I published most of them online on my blog on August. In six months, I had more than 30 essays. They were amazing, and they were really good with word of mouth. I really wanted to represent the whole world, so they contacted people in Africa, in Australia, in Japan. Like I have girls from all around the world in the book, and it's because... They shared the information, they posted online, they reached out to people. They told me like, oh, I know this girl who left everything and went to, to hike the Kilimanjaro for her birthday. I, I know this girl who left everything and moved to New York. So they did most of it. And then when I turned 30, I started this at 29, six months shy from 30. And when I turned 30, I'm like, oh, Laura, what about you? What are your experiences? And, and I'm like, oh, I guess I, know, I don't know much. I just turned 30. They knew, as all my friends are older than me, they knew they had already crossed that bridge. I still needed to, to go to the other side. Right. <laughs> okay. My question, Laura, is obviously all these stories from all of your friends, including yours, is there like a common theme that you saw within those stories, maybe something that kind of everyone was going through. I think all of us in our, that have been in our thirties, we all can be like, the great thing about some of the stories that I did read on what you sent us a preview was like, man, I can relate. I feel like everyone can relate to everyone's stories. We all go through the same thing almost. So any common theme you can kind of share? Yes, that's a beautiful note on it. Most of the things that we go through as individuals, we think they're our our personal story, but they're universal truths, you know, like it's very, it's very revealing to see how I think it's the hardest thing that has ever happened and millions of women have gone through it. It's, it's as the book has women from all around the world. It was really impressive to see some common themes, but also a variety of themes. You go from people uh, working on the relationship with themselves instead of working and trying to find a relationship. We find girls that were devastated because they lost a child instead of trying so hard to have a baby. Um, Some people were trying to fix their relationships with their parents. There are so many themes that I wouldn't tell there is one common theme. Mostly is relationships. That would be it. But not relationships, sentimental relationships and partners and couples, but with parents, with kids, with sisters, with friends. I would say people in general is the most common theme. I get it. I love it. And even like in our thirties, we have to start thinking of like how you said the parents thing, like I'm dealing with like aging parents and, you know, parents that, you know, you may have to like switch and like take care of them now. It's so it's like sort of like a different transition and a different space that we have to go in. It's more of a selfless space too. I feel because when we were kids or maybe in our twenties or early thirties, we could be like, Oh, whatever. My parents are healthy. They're fine. 
we can go on with our lives. And now it's like adjusting your own life sometimes to sacrifice some of the things for you in order to like take care of your parents. So that's something I am going through. Yes, you know what, yes. Gabby? I'm going through that as well. That's really funny. Really? Yeah. And see, that's and something that we too. hadn't talked about. Right. And look, and you too. That's yes. So yeah, we Is all it, do go through the same things. Yeah. And, and and it's beautiful that we can be there for our parents, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a Latino thing, too, to be there for our parents and to take on that role and not just be like, they'll have to figure it out, you know. <laughs> no, it's it's very, some cultures, as you mentioned, the Latino culture definitely has it. But also some cultures appreciate aging more than other cultures. Um, for example, in India or in, in, in Asia in general, the elderly are extremely appreciated. It's a source of wisdom. It's, it's a source of joy to have your elderly around because they know so much and they share traditions and, and, and so many lessons, life lessons are just transferred from, from the old to the young. But in this side of the world, it's a little bit different. We, we have those fights now. And we as women, uh, we have to, our generation needs to fight those. Um, how come we become invisible at certain age in media? How come we become a burden for corporations at certain, like it's, it's a challenge to stay relevant. I'm not saying that because I'm getting old, I'm, I just need all this respect, but in general, if I stay relevant and current and prepared and it's, it's only fair as an act of gratitude, just to be respectful of older people. And we're not old, but it, we have a little bit more experience than new, new generations that are already working and they're already out there competing with us in certain yeah. senses. No, I agree. And, and I love that you're opening up those conversations because we may think we're going through it by ourselves, but we're not. Like I have friends that, you know, their parents maybe are sick or, you know, or their parents aren't, you know, need a little financial help. You know, it just, it switches over. And, and those are some challenges sometimes that you have to kind of like get through. And it's, and it's good to know that everyone else is going through the same, you know, or something similar. And yeah. I also want to point out that your book is broken down into a couple of different areas and which open up to conversations, um, topics that we all can relate to as well. Um, there's like the beginning all the way to 30. Then there, there's what's mat what matters most. And within that, there's like people, health, spirit, work, money, living, then there's back to basics. And then um, you ended with a collection of stories from around the world. So, I mean, obviously we want everyone to purchase your book. We don't want to give away too much, but you know, can you kind of walk through us like the idea of how you broke down the book and why it was important to touch upon some of those like themes or, you know, subjects. Absolutely. And thank you for diving in the book. It's really special. Um, this is a hybrid. As I, as I mentioned before, everything started actually with the collection of stories. But then as I went through them, I saw, okay, how I'm going to tell my story. And all the way to 30, the first chapter, the first section is that, is how I lived from zero to 30, let's say. I was the girl who, who was always in a rush. I was the girl who grew up just trying to be an adult. I'm like, skip, 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 skip. I just want to be 18. I just want to leave my house. I just want to leave, 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 skip. And, and there is a phrase in the book that 
that I use it a lot in real life. Like I lived like it was surgery, you know, like prepping. I just wanted to go fast and then recover. I, but sometimes you don't get to recover. Sometimes you you just start walking before you are you have healed and before you're actually fine and ready. So it was it was kind of a lesson right there. Slow down. And that's what my thought is. That's how my thirties started. Like stop, quit your job, move to a much less developed country, and just slow down, slow down, sit and reflect. And that's when I realized what matters most. And that's the second section. What matters most for me and for most of those essays is people, relationships, your people. You cannot get anywhere. You can, you can try to get far in your work or with a one partner or with your uh, fitness or anything. But then if you don't have anybody to share it with, it would be kind of sad. It would be really, really sad. Okay. Um, so that's that's when I took that break, when I got to the job I wanted, when I got to the apartment I wanted, when I got the partner I wanted, when I got everything, I'm like, let me enjoy it. So that's people. When I got a grasp of my people, then I got some health scares. <laughs> Women, please, everybody get your annual checkups you could look amazing and you could be in really bad shape inside. Um, most of us, I can get intimate here. We're all active, I would say. Absolutely. Um, we all have had enough fun to have some HPV scares. Check on your, check on, check with your gynecologist every year. HPV is brutal. Most of us have it without even knowing. It could be a source for cancer or for infertility. So check on yourself. Um, spirit when you are healthy or when you're not you start being super grateful you start praying you start like i'll do i'll be good i'll be good i'll be good but then you need that spirit most of the time and it doesn't mean a religion it doesn't mean to be attached to a church or institution or whatever it's just having that whatever gives you peace name it yoga you could name it a spiritual practice it could be doing your hair but something that you meditate about something that you put all your interest that brings you peace and happiness. That's your spiritual practice. And then of course you need to work because we all need to subsist and we all need money. And for all those things that I have mentioned, you need money to, for your health, for, for to support your family. Um, so that's how I realized, okay, I'm taking this sabbatical, but I too need to work. Um, I need to make some money. I need to feel productive. It's a source of gratification for my heart to feel like I'm, I'm using my skills to help. Um, and then money, money. I'm, I turned 30 in 2012. So we had just passed that 28 cri 2008 crisis. Um, it was a big lesson, even though I had a good job during the crisis, but it was a big lesson to see everything that happened in Miami, particularly, and in the world, around the world. And after all that, I'm like, okay, with all those lessons, let me just leave. Like living was lifestyle, sustainability, everything I learned and how I wanted to live from now on. And with all that in Nicaragua was back to basics. After you think you have figure out all your first world problems, I'm in a third world country. So I had to oh, learn again, I had to learn again, okay, how do I live with all that that I have learned? 
away from my family, away from my friends, away from my product productivity and production work, um, away from everything. But you gotta explain. You moved there. Yes, I moved there. I I mentioned that Laura, you moved there because your husband had to. Move. Yes, yes. I moved there because my husband got a business project. It was, uh, it is still a cigar factory. It's called Mombacho. And it was his dream project. So the same way I appreciate his support in all my projects, I needed to be by his side and support him in this case. So it was a beautiful journey for both of us. We grew as the person individually as a couple as business people we we learned a lot it's beautiful that um you know you were able to kind of sacrifice like what you wanted for like your husband's passion and back and forth i think that's also an important takeaway um for women that are in relationships or are married that sometimes you're going to have to take uh, a back seat for your husband's dream or vice versa you know what I mean so, so I think it shows how teamwork and how marriage works sometimes that you, it's like a give and take so I thought it was beautiful in the sense that you know you left everything behind because you believe in the power of marriage and making those decisions together yes I think the most important thing is knowing that that person would do the same for you and this is this is a proof you know like i went there it, it, it wasn't pretty all the time i mentioned in the book everything that happened it, it, we had our curves there like it was a long time it was hard but then when we were ready to go back we came back and i was able to do everything i wanted to do i was able to get my coaching certification i was able to get to work on my health in order to get pregnant i was able to work on my own uh, dreams so it was just this time for you this time for me um within your exactly. book within your book was there any standout story from any of these people that um joined your journey that really resonated with you or that, like really stood out any really impactful story that you might have you know alex what's really interesting I have 57 essays in that book, and every time I read it, a different story touches my heart. It depends on the day, it depends on what's going on around. For example, uh, it could be when I started, again, it was eight years ago, I didn't have a kid, so the motherhood stories didn't do it much for me because I didn't have a baby. Now that I have a baby, I read them, and I'm like, oh, that's, how, that's what they're talking about. But then these days, when I read some stories from Africa, we have, um, we have a writer from Nigeria, and we have another writer who's an American, but she's African-American and she, she's an anthropologist and she's concerned about the future of her son as, as a black male. In, um, and she wrote this eight years ago and I read it now and it's like so relevant. So I'm looking forward That's to it. Yeah. yeah. And it's I'm looking living in such a space of like, all of that racial tension and it's still so relevant. I actually, because of everything that's happening with, you know, George Floyd and all of the stuff that has come about in the last few weeks and months, um, I had to go to my best friend who's black and I hit her up like, I'm so sorry that you have to sit down and have these conversations with your sons. Cause she has like teenage sons. And it was like, 
it, it, I couldn't even put myself in that position of having to tell my kids, but I think we have to at this point because we are people of color, we are minority. So it just doesn't touch the black community. Like even now I'm telling my, my sisters like, Hey, we need to maybe have a conversation with the boys, like my older nephews about like how to conduct themselves when they get stopped by the cops, you know, because you just never know. Like sometimes it doesn't only mean that that racism is against black people. It could be just against minorities, somebody that looks a little darker or has a little bit of an accent um, that isn't American to other people, you know, quote unquote. So I couldn't even imagine having those conversations or like having to raise black children or black boys at this point in in how the situations are going so i totally feel that that story would be so relevant still today yes yes it's and and back to your question alex that's that's why i can't choose a story because every time i read them and trust me i have read that book like 20,000 times at this point. Uh, um, every time I read them, I discover a new feeling for, for one of the stories. It all depends on what I'm going through. That's a that's a very valid point because, like you said, like the the motherhood when you eight years ago it didn't it didn't hit home for you. And I have the mm -hmm. same feelings now when I, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is cracking. Um, when I hear my friends, you know, talk about motherhood throughout the past. 20 years now of my life, because um, I'm almost 40, uh, I, I could never understand them. I never, I never understood the struggles that they went through. I didn't see things as big of a deal as they really are. And now that I'm a mom, I see things completely different, you know, or, yeah. and, and that's like, that really is valid for any aspect of your life. It, it's layoffs, like until you don't actually go through it, mm -hmm. you don't really know. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And in general, those are I'm talking only about the stories of the book, but to take it a little bit bigger than that, I set up Google Alerts since 2012 for women in their studies. So I have at this point eight years of research pretty much, though only from news and everything I read and everybody I interviewed with and in general. And the topics that come up, again, they are personal stories, but they are universal truths. Like most people in their lives, they have gone through grief and pain and loss. Most people have gone at this point through a health care. I have two contributors who didn't survive. They, they passed away. Two of my contributors already passed away. I have two more contributors that had cancer and they're survivors. It's so, the world is so much bigger than us. And we are in this bubble thinking it's all about us, but it's not. So a spiritual crisis, how many anxiety attacks, how many breakdowns, how many things we have to go through. Um, as you mentioned, the layups and, and the, the financial crisis and career. Do you know how hard this corona is going to hit females at workplace, how many women are now officially out of their careers because they need to stay home taking care of their kids? Right. It's brutal. This is going to affect like years of progress we had. So what's the answer? We work harder and we speak louder and, and we put ourselves out there and we, we need to gain more visibility and representation. This is, I'm, I do, I'm not being pessimistic. I just, I'm just aware of this is gonna take us more work and, and we need to be ready for it. Yeah. So, I think another, another theme too, which I read um, an excerpt of one of, of the book was um, 
which we can talk about here as well, um, is also our sexuality as we continue to evolve and, and be in our 30s. Like it, it evolves with us, you know, and, and I, there was a particular story of a, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, someone, one of your contributors wrote about, you know, just kind of like, you know, finding like those those moments where she found in her experiences how like maybe you just kind of grow sexually like it's like you know you wouldn't be in your 20s doing what you're doing in your 30s or like how you just come and realize that some of the things that maybe you were a little bit ashamed of is nothing to be ashamed of yes yes that's an expert she's Jill Di Donato she's um she used to be a sexual uh, reporter let's say for the Huffington Post and everything now she writes about many other lifestyle uh, topics but she she did a great great job summarizing I have two sections the only topic that I touched twice in the book is is sex because it teddies are always uh, known for a sexual revolution for women it's, it's your sexual peak um, you are having definitely sex either you are in, in a partnership or not um, you are either trying to have a kid or avoiding it at all costs you are counting your eggs you're doing so many things and and Jill was very good summarizing what's going on you know like yes have fun but do it safely um, don't give into pressures from guys like it's not teen sex, which she calls it a disaster. Um, like sex while you're a teenager is a disaster, she says. And then you're in your 20s, you're, you're learning your way on things. Like you're, you're getting comfortable, but then that is like you have figured out or you should be working on it really hard. So it's very interesting how from there so many things come. Like your self-esteem is directly attached to your sexual life. Uh, your health is your fertility and that's my my next career let's say not next career but my niche is it's being a fertility coach because the fertility is the most common concern for women in their studies most women think oh i just want to get married i just want a house i just want to be a director or a vp or whatever i just want to be an entrepreneur but the, at the end of the day the when the only thing get that gets tight on time you can do anything at whatever age except for sure. conceiving except for conceiving having children you can do anything at any age except for conceiving your own children so it doesn't it doesn't finish in 30s it, you could conceive in your 40s early 40s but it's very yes it is it is very very repetitive that topic every google alert that i said brought a note about fertility in their studies. So that's why sex is so important because they're extremely but it, correlated. But you know what? It's so taboo. Nobody wants yeah. to talk about it. And it pisses me off so much. You have no idea. What part? The sex or the fertility? Fertility. Infertility. Yes, it is. And I have my fertility story. I have my fertility journey on, on the book. I can share a little bit of it right now if you want. Um, it is really sad. And you are totally... Right. I, it makes me cry when I think about it. I, I, I sat with my doctor and she was very sweet. And before we got into the medical part, she kind of got my background. And when I told her I was a blogger and I was blogging about women in their studies, the first thing she said is like, you should be writing about this. 
because nobody is and you all need it. And in that fertility clinic, I would see people that I know. We would meet at the lobby and we would just be like, oh, you're here too. Oh, you're here too. Oh, you're here. And we wouldn't talk about it at work. We wouldn't talk about it as friends. And how sad is that? How sad is that? So thank you, Alex, for, for opening that door. I'm becoming a fertility coach because of that, because I went through it. Uh, it was extremely, extremely isolating. And I took three years after I went through it to be able to talk about it. So now that I can talk about it without crying, I'm, I'm ready to do it for a long time. You know, I have I have a story that I haven't shared and I'm not ready to share either, but it's also with infertility. I have touched upon it on the podcast a few times where I do mention that I did need like science's help, you know, but mm -hmm. I'm not ready to tell the story because it is very it's it's a very sad story, you know, mm -hmm. and it took me a really long time. I was also going to the fertility specialist and seeing people that I knew in the mm -hmm. lobby and nobody would talk about it. And it was so sad because I felt so alone. Yes. And, yes. and, and it, and it so many women go through it, but nobody wants to fucking talk about it. And it's so frustrating yeah. because that's what makes you feel alone. And we shouldn't be ashamed. Um, and I'm not ashamed. It's just that, I, like you said, I need, to, I need time to process it before I can talk about it openly and, and feel comfortable with it, right? Yeah. So I yeah. completely hear you yes thank you and and i just just my my purpose with this topic these days is not even for the women who want to have their kids because i know they will if you want to be a mom you're going to be a mom anyway you're going to be a mom you're going to find your way to be a mom because that's something that you have in your heart and you'll find a way to be a mom but all the ladies all the girls out there that are just ignoring their health in general like being fertile is not only about having a kid it's about being healthy like conceiving is just the first step but what about your hormone i love that you did an episode on hormones please hormones are the mess up of our health right now and 40s are the same and 50s are the same hormones i've been dealing with my hormones since i was nine years old it's been forever so it's it's a it's a long journey it's our body it's our health it's not only the minute you like oh i want to have a kid let me take care of this now no you need to be careful with your health since age i i started having studies since i was six i, I had like hormonal situations since i was six wow. so yeah um it's been 31 years it, it, it that you you know what you're you're right and and it, it kind of correlates right hormones and fertility um, of course. So I, I had, you know, you do tend to ignore your body because you're like, oh, this hurts or, oh, I feel this way. It'll go away or I'm having an off week. And, you know, we did talk to Dr. Beth and, and I kind of want to go back and talk to her again because after having Riley, I had told her like I haven't gotten my period yet. So I finally went to the doctor. I actually like took the step of doing it. I was like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy finally did it. I already got my test results this past week. And as it turns out, I am actually literally going through menopause right now. So I'm going, I'm early menopausal. And now I understand why my body has been acting the way that it has. So don't ignore your body, ladies. Listen to no, it. And, and let me tell you, I had perimenopause. I mentioned this in the book, which is premature menopause at 32. 
Mm, yeah. So it's you never you're never too young. You're never too like you never know. You never right. know. So just get your checkups, get your checkups, get your checkups. Not because you want to have a baby. No, before right. every right. year. Agreed. Every year. That's good advice. Yeah. So what do you want to accomplish with this book? I feel like this book has, I mean, just alone sitting with you talking, we had so much to talk about. Um, so I imagine like those people reading it, you know, I feel like they're not going to feel isolated like you did. Yes. My main goal is not to see another gloomy face about turning 30. <laughs> my main goal is to see a big white smile, like I'm turning 30. Um, I want, I want women and men. I remember Frankie, Frankie Ariola, he's going to kill me that I say that. I remember when he was turning 30, he was, we were having breakfast at a restaurant one day and he's like, I'm turning 30. And he was, it was already a big deal for a guy too. Um, I just want people to know that the best is yet to come, that there is wisdom and self-growth and transformation after that that is and beyond that is just that is just studying it was it, it is a clean slate like you you can do the most and the best out of it and i think it's like a sandwich age you know like there is a lot of information when you're starting your career and there is a lot of information to reaccelerate like scale and things but that middle decade like you're growing but you you're expanding but you might be becoming an entrepreneur but you might be starting your family you might have elderly parents to take care of it's there is so much going on that people is just like skip ignore let's just go through it so i i just want to be a companion for that part like a confidant like whatever you're going through take that book and you'll find something that you will relate to and it could help you beautiful thank I you. love it I absolutely love it so thank you for for putting it together I think personally since I'm already 40 I think you should write in your 40s it's <laughs> another decade commitment <laughs> we I mean I have obviously the 30s you're right I, I feel like I'm at a place where I'm okay with who I am at this point. I'm good. I feel good in my skin. I feel the thirties are a good time to also figure out those things. Like who am I, who am I trying to portray to be? Who, who should I keep in my circle that serves me? You know, sometimes the thirties you shed people. Um, sometimes you gain new people, you know? Um, and that has happened to me. Um, it also, I'm more confident. Um, I think it comes with experience, whether it be in career, whether it be in life. Um, I'm, I think even with family, like when you're in your 20s or early 30s, you kind of like are some way with, with your friends and then you're different with your family. I'm just like, who the fuck I am? Like, my yeah. knows how I am. I'm crazy and I'm loud and I'm super like, I want to hug and kiss everyone all the time. Um, and I'm who I am, you know, and, and I feel I'm the same way in the way that I lead and the way that I work and the way that I'm passionate about what I do. So those things are beautiful things that we should embrace. Yes. There is certain pressures that I go through being in my 40s, not being married, not having a man or a partner or not even having children. Even the possibility of me not being able to be to have kids, let's say, um, I have to start thinking to myself, am I okay with that? And 
those are also issues that maybe somebody in their 30s are also going through because of whatever, but I'm just talking about personally. But but I'm okay with that because I feel like everyone has a purpose. My purpose may be something different. Um, I do think I have a motherly instinct that I feel God knows and I sh- and he's going to probably bring it to me when I'm ready. Maybe I'm not ready yet. Maybe right now I'm serving like the space of like taking care of my elderly parent. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because that's also like a lot, you know, but, but it feels good. It feels good to be like knowing what you want. Also when in dating for me, I'm able to be a little bit more picky. I'm able to be like more confident and more like, okay, saying, no, I'm not going to deal with that. When in your, maybe in your early thirties or in your twenties, you were like, Oh, but I really like him. He's so cute. You know, but that doesn't really fulfill you at a certain point. Eventually, you know, cute and handsome and fly isn't everything. And there was a point in my life where I thought, Oh my God, he has to be fly. He has to do this. And, and now it's like, how is, how is his heart? Is he kind? You know, those things really have shifted for me. So I just wanted to share that. Beautiful. And let me tell you one thing really quick. It is a beautiful thing that doesn't happen often when you get to choose your life. And that's the beauty of Teddy's, you know, like while you were a teenager, while you're in college, while you're looking for your first job, all those things, you don't get to choose much. You grab, you grab, you grab, you get, you get, you get. You get status, you get credits, you get, but this is a stage like to give, to give what you know, to give what you learn, to give to yourself, to give to yourself. Like how beautiful is that now I can be a coach. I can help people with that I went through. How beautiful is that you can mentor younger ladies with your podcast. How beautiful it is that you can help your elderly. Before, if your mom got sick when you were younger, you couldn't do nothing for her. She would have to take care of you and herself, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a, it's a decade of transparency too, because what you see is what you get. You are yes. able to see yourself in the mirror and recognize yourself instead of faking it or instead of faking it in front of other people or telling lies to yourself. And I think that's, that's, a, that's an achievement on itself. Like when you are honest and transparent to you, you, you can't get any better. And you just, I think, I want to think, we don't change much after. After we have gained this growth and wisdom, I think it just gets better. We're not going back. Like, I'm, I'm sure you're in your 40s. You're not going to get crazy and silly again, <laughs> or your 50s or your 60s. It just gets better. You'll get deeper and, and more interesting. And, and that would make you more attractive and more appealing. And that would attract the opportunities and the people and everything you want around you. So I think it's just the beginning of many, many great things. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. I love that you called it. It's, it's the age of, like, transparency. It is. It's like... Totally what you see is what you get. But there's also room for improvement still. You never you never know it all. You yeah, you're never going to be like, this is it. Like it's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. And I also love that you said it's the age of giving back. And I feel that I do have a more of a giving spirit of of you know wanting to share with girls that are coming up and sharing like I want to empower them. I want to make them feel like they can do it as well. Um, 
you know, a lot of girls hit me up about like having Zoom calls that I don't know, you know, I, I become, I, from the podcast or from like speaking engagements that I do through like work, they just reach out to me to have like Zoom calls. And I love doing that because they just ask me questions and like tell me how, like how they can do this or look at my resume. And I, I absolutely feel that that's kind of like also a purpose that I have to like help others. So I didn't have those resources. So to me, it's such a blessing to be a blessing to other people, you know? Yes, it is. It is. So like that part. Laura, would you be, would you want to do a book giveaway? Because I, I think a lot of these stories would resonate with our listeners. Yes, please. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Where can people get your book? The book is available on Amazon. You can just write in our 30s. And my name is Laura Sgroi, S-G-R-O-I. My website is also laurasgroi.com. And it's, it's on Amazon. It's available. Oh, and where can people reach you? They can reach me everywhere. I'm on Instagram, laura.scroi, L-A-U-R-A dot S-G-R-O-I. I'm on Facebook in, in our 30s. My website, I have two websites, one with my name, laurascroi.com, in our 30s.com too. And guys, if you guys want to reach out to Laura and ask her any questions, I am a, a positive that she would be more than willing to chat with you and talk to you about whatever issues you might be going through, any advice that you might need from her. She is an amazing person. She she's so she has so much wisdom and she just actually sent me the book and I am super excited to dive in deep and start like reading about all of these stories. Especially Enjoy the fertility it. one. I'm really excited about that one. And then we're going to have to talk on the side. Yes, <laughs> I'm going yes, to message you. But thank you so yes. much for joining us. It was honestly a pleasure having you. And I really hope that um, you really think about writing another book. Thank you. I, I, Let's write it together. Let's write it together. You know what? Let's do it. I think that's a great idea. And <laughs> I think that's an amazing idea. We're for sure. I'm well, taking notes. I'm taking notes from the 40s. So um, I still have two more years to go, but I'm taking notes already for the 40s. Perfect. I'll, I'll help you write an essay. I'm not such a good writer, but I'll help you. <laughs> I'll contribute. Yes, okay. please. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. It was really a pleasure having you. Thank you, Gabby and Alex. And congratulations. I love the podcast. Thank you so much. Listen to Girls Gone Boss. Hosted by Alex and Gabby. I love you guys. Oh, yeah.